Welcome, boys and girls, once again to another exciting episode of Under the Dome Podcast, the home of the Houdat Nation. I'm Alan Ulrich. I'm here with my partner, Sean Williams. How you doing tonight, Sean? Doing real good, man. You managing to stay dry down there? Hey, we're doing all right over here for a change. It's Baton Rouge and Lafayette that's really got pounded. Yeah. Uh, so I see on the news, uh, we want to let everyone that's in the uh, the affected areas know that our hearts and our thoughts and prayers are with you guys. Absolutely. Uh, um, just something really quick. Uh, James Laurinaitis, our new linebacker, tweeted this out yesterday. Anyone that's outside of the area that would like to help out with the relief effort, you can text LA Floods, that's L A F L O O D S, to 90999, and that'll allow you to make a $10 donation to the Red Cross that will go directly to the relief of the flood victims in South Louisiana. Also, I want to take a moment to. As always, thank our friends at Fan First Productions for sponsoring our podcast. And at the same time, I want to wish a speedy recovery to uh, our our biggest friend and supporter, Joey Riolano. He's uh, he's not doing so good, and we want to wish him the best. And Joey, brother, I hope you get up and on your feet soon. Uh, we love you, man. We thank you so much. Absolutely, Joey. You take care. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of friends in in and around the Baton Rouge area, and I have a lot of friends in the Lafayette area. Uh, both my kids go to UL, so yeah, it's this. This is especially now. We're looking in about two weeks of the 11 year anniversary of Katrina. Yeah. You know, a lot of people moved to Denham Springs and to the North Shore and to Lafayette to get away from. You know, New Orleans and the rebuild of New Orleans and have to go through this again 11 years later, it's really, really tough. And, you know, I was following on Facebook all weekend, you know, friends of mine uh, who've never flooded uh, having water in their home. So, you know, uh, Stu Breeze, uh, one, of our, one of our good friends over there yeah. on Facebook, he, uh, yeah, he started Friday night with the water in his house. I know he's having a really rough time of it, uh, people in New Iberia and so forth. So our thoughts and prayers are with you guys. And, you know, absolutely, I'm really, I'm really proud of our Cajun Navy. Uh, I've never seen more people get out in their personal boats, their personal watercraft, to go out there and help as many people as they can. Uh, you saw the footage on uh, I-12, uh, truckers and families bringing cases of bottled water to people, uh, truckers opening up, you know, their manifest, you know, if they had fresh fruit, uh, fresh fruit, whatever, you know, they gave it to the people there because you were on that interstate for 31 hours. You had no way yeah. to go. I think it's, I think it speaks well to, uh, and it always makes me proud, you know, the things that occurred in Baton Rouge earlier this year, it brought a national spotlight in a really bad way Mm -hmm. to the people of Louisiana for whatever good or bad reasons there were. And in times of crisis, like during Katrina and now during this, you see what the real people of this state are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are about. We, Absolutely. We, we come together like no other. 
because right. we've had to for so long. Hey, you look at every <laughs> – I'm going to rip on every city right now, but if you look at every city in America, they win a championship. What's the first thing you do? Overturn cars, burn things, loot, riot, whatever. What happens when the Saints won the Super Bowl? What happened when LSU won the national championship twice? You know, Mardi Gras lasted all year. That's right. <laughs> we know how to throw a party. We know how to take care of ourselves. That's um, right. Speaking of football, we had our first semi-taste of football. I don't really – preseason's a glorified practice, uh, and you have to really look at it that way. You can't look at it from the standpoint of, you know, are we going to win or lose? Uh, we have to beat these teams in preseason or whatever. I know what Sean Payton says, but it really is a glorified practice. And um, for about a quarter, we looked really, really good. Uh, the defense was really impressive. The offense, when they weren't turning the ball over, was really, really sharp. Uh you know, I think we held the Patriots to 25 yards total offense in the first quarter alone. So, I mean, you saw a lot of good things in that brief little period. And then the turnovers, the penalties, the mistakes, uh, the whole the game kind of unraveled quickly. It was 17-14, I think, at halftime. And by the end of the game, I think they lost by 22 and 22 points could be attributed directly to the four turnovers. Absolutely. I think the biggest thing that um, I believe that it was Gus Cattengill that I was listening to this morning on the radio, and he said, well, if you think about it, the, the penalties for one, we had nine penalties for 93 yards, yeah. which in a normal game time, game situation, is absolutely uh, you can't win that way. You can't win with four turnovers. You can't win with uh, nine or ten penalties. You, that's just that's lost yardage because a lot of those penalties took away positive plays. You know, uh, sure. they had a great run and then holding. Scott got to come back. You know, so it, it, it yeah, you you don't win football games turning the ball over. You don't win football games committing penalties. Especially with the Brandon Browner reign of error over an error, E-R-R-O-R. -E um, yeah, it, you know, fans really want to see a cleaner, better defense than this. And uh, that's probably the worst part of the, uh, of the takeaway of that game. To uh, me, I saw way just maybe I, I'm just the eternal optimist, which people – some people would t uh, give you really good odds of me never having been called that. <laughs> but but when it comes to this, I, yeah, there were a lot of negatives. But the, the biggest takeaways that I got from this were, despite what a lot of people believe, and if you want to find out how popular your take on the game is, tweet it out. <laughs> You'll find out real quick. <laughs> I well, thought, you know, I thought that Garrett Grayson played <sighs> in, in just in the confines of this game for what you were looking at those two guys to do. I thought that Garrett Grayson did a better job than Luke McCown. Once, of course, his first pass was a pick six, which uh, there again, my somewhat unpopular take on that that was uh 
I think that was more attributable. Oh, absolutely. To, it was Brandon Coleman. Brandon, Brandon Coleman. Cole, Brandon Coleman, alligator arm that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you go but, back and you watch the replay of that pass. Mm -hmm. Brandon, as a receiver, you're taught if on that type of pass, if you can't make the catch, you don't touch the ball. Because you have three defenders right there on you. You have nothing behind you. Well, you have to be. You have to be defend. You have to pretend to be a defensive back there. You have to uh, break up that pass. Just don't let it go straight to the defender. You know, you become. Now, a I don't. Back. I don't let Grayson off the hook completely. It, it, the ball could have been thrown better, but at the same time, the play's over. Grayson comes back in the huddle, and uh, according to some of the players, he joked, "Well, that you know." That ain't how we wanted to get started. Now let's go. Let's get this game on going. He kept himself in the game. He had a short memory. And if you go back and you watch the replay of it, Grayson was doing an excellent job, something that he's never quite been recognized for before. He was going through his progressions. He was finding his third, his fourth, his fifth options on, on plays. He was well, hitting the open man. I read uh, when I heard during the broadcast too that you know the Saints hit 17 different receivers uh, during the game. Sure. Look, during the regular season, I used to do this good, bad, and ugly when it came to the to the games, and I don't do them during the preseason because you know it's it's pointless. It's not a game about winning. But if I had to break down the game and say, okay, who were the what were the good things of this game? Well, first off, Michael Thomas, four incredible catches. Uh, a, st a star is born. I tell you what, uh, I was listening to a, a different podcast uh, today, and I totally agree with this take. Michael Thomas is probably the most talented receiver that Drew Brees has ever had in his 10 years here in New Orleans, or 11 seasons in New Orleans. Uh, Marcus Colston, great player, obviously greatest receiver ever played the put a Saints uniform on. But it was not so much that he was talented as it was he was a hard worker. And sure. he, he succeeded in this scheme. Colston goes to a team like, oh, I don't know, Cincinnati or Pittsburgh. You know, he probably doesn't become as successful as he did in New Orleans. Uh, you know, Devery Henderson, Robert Meacham, Lance Moore, you know, those guys are all products of the system. You know, they really thrived in Sean Payton's matchup system. Um, Michael Thomas is somebody who looks like he could succeed in any offense anywhere. And uh, that's something you don't see very often. That's the kind of thing you see reserved for receivers like, uh, you know, Des Bryant, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice. And I'm not putting him in that category yet. Sure, sure. But... Watching him catch the ball, we were talking about Coleman before. Watching him catch the ball, he snatches that ball out of the air. He goes and gets that thing. And that's the difference between Thomas and Coleman. Coleman lets the ball come to him. He catches it with his body. He alligator on that pass, turned to a pick six, because he didn't use his, his frame, his size, his long arms to go out there and go get that ball and yank it away from the defender. You saw a play with Michael Thomas where he was clearly interfered with, okay? The guy is all over him, and Thomas still makes the catch. 
I mean, how many times as a Saints fan did you see other receivers do that against our guys? And now yeah. we've got one that looks like he can do that. So if I did my good, that would be my good. Uh, that was probably the best thing of the game. Uh, the Saints pass rush, it was actually a pass rush. You know, we, Absolutely. we saw Edibali go out there and get two sacks. Uh, Laurenitis came in. Uh, you know, you saw good play out of the linebackers. Stubar had an unbelievable pass breakup in the end zone, something that you never saw with Saints linebackers. So, I mean, you saw a lot of positives, but it was single plays, okay? Let's see if in the Houston game they can kind of string those plays a little bit more and be a more consistent unit rather than just highlight individual plays. Um, you know, my bad – and this is going to go kind of counter what you said. Uh, my bad goes to the Saints quarterbacks and the Saints offensive line. Uh, I thought that it, my issue with Grayson from the beginning has been on his fundamentals. I think he holds the ball down too low. I think he has a hitch in his throw where he kind of takes his arm and kind of extends it out too far because he holds it down so well. He extends it out too far when he goes to throw. And so that nice, compact throw that Drew Brees has. Uh, and his footwork was bad. He didn't step into a lot of his throws. That's why you saw so many balls sail. Uh, he did not drive a pass. And the worst part, when McCown came in, McCown didn't do it either. I yeah. One pass that McCown actually stepped in and put some heat on it and went right down the middle. It was a great throw. But the interception in the end zone was an underthrown ball. Very reminiscent of the Carolina game. And it's like he kept looking to get that little touch that Drew has where he could just drop that ball. You saw that in the very first pass of the game. Drew dropped that ball right over the defensive back, right in the Brandon Cook's arms, you know, on that 35-yarder. And it was like those two were trying to imitate Drew instead of just playing the game the way they can play it. So. My issue with McCown was one of the things, especially based on the the play that he re he he had last year. You depend, or you know, McCown for being accurate. Mm -hmm. And I counted either I want to say it was either three or four passes in that second half the other night where. He had guys in the end zone and just absolutely. There were two to R.J. Harris, one of which was the interception you spoke of. Right. The other one was just completely overthrown. But a play or so before the interception, he had um, Thomas in the end zone yeah. on a jump ball and just complete. You, you don't know McCown for doing that. Now, there – there's a possibility the argument can be made, I suppose, where McCown was running with the scrubs and Grayson was running with the ones and twos. But, you know, you look at it realistically, McCown's the backup. He should yeah. be able to, to do what he does regardless of who's in front of him. He's a pro. Uh, he shouldn't look like the problem, and that's what I saw a lot of. It Like the now, receivers... We're running good routes. It like he had the time and the protection, and he was the one throwing the bad passes for no reason. And while I do, I do give Grayson the nod, 
neither one of them were stellar. I think no. Grayson, uh, well, let me put it a different way. I think that the bar was much lower for Grayson to achieve. Uh, I had much higher expectations, or I felt like McCown would at least cover the expectations to this level. But, yeah. you know, maybe maybe Luke had a bad night. Uh, it, it's it's neither here nor there. Like you said, it's a preseason game. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. But as far as the passing game goes, uh, the bad for me, you got a, a very wide open and uh, very, as far as this team goes, important positional battle going on at wide receiver. One of the guys that everybody seems to talk about making the 53-man roster, Brandon Coleman, no catches, no yards. Right. Then, then you got a guy like uh, Dangerfield. He had a catch. Um, you got Tommy a, Lee Lewis. Tommy Lee Lewis, man. He his size is going to be a definite hurdle. I'm not going to. I'm not nearly going to say that he won't make the roster because he's he's obviously a very talented, very athletic guy, <laughs> and I wish him all the luck in the world. But I was do. <clears throat> If if I'm I was do- I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was I was doing the in-game updates over on uh, the New Orleans Saints Facebook page, and uh, you know I kept saying he reminded me of Joe Horn, like somebody shrunk Joe Horn in the wash. And it's not just <laughs> the '87. It's not just the '87. It's you know he was a dynamic player, like Horn was. You know Horn did just run routes. He looked dynamic doing everything. You know, he caught the ball, very emotional, very excited. That jet sweep for the two-point conversion, very nice play. Very good. Um, he is going to be a tough one to evaluate because that 5'7 is, you know, 165 pounds. That is tough to justify activating in at the NFL level because can he get off of a press coverage? He's very quick, sure. very explosive, but, you know, I want to see him return more kicks. I thought Marcus sure. Murphy had a had a solid game for somebody who's fighting for the job. I thought he had a solid game. I'd like to see what happens now with Lewis back there returning kicks. Can he be that game, you know, breakaway threat? Can he be what everyone thought Joe Morgan was going to be? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Daniel Lasco had a pretty solid game. Uh, but Daniel Lasco, you know, he's quick. But and he's a bull. He runs right up the gut. But he reminds me of what Hokey Gajon used to say about him when he was playing. Uh, you know, if you need three yards, Lasco's gonna get you three yards. If you need ten yards, Lasco's gonna get you three yards. You know, he he doesn't look like he has, at least what I saw, much shake and bake in his in his uh, running style. He's a straight on runner who, when he gets in the open field, he may do something. But he's just going to run right at you. Yeah. Um, and, but, uh, but but think about conversely though, uh, as at least at this point in time and this stage of the game, I don't see Lasco being our number one back. No. If Las if Lasco's running the ball, something's gone terribly wrong. You know, um, we're going to get to this a little bit later. I had Lasco making the team, but 
uh, it's possible he may be stashed in the practice squad now, uh, just depending on how there's a three-way battle right now for that for that kick return spot, you know. Do they go with five wides? Do they go with four backs? You know, how are they going to juggle this? Uh, with Murphy getting a lot of the carries Thursday night, they were giving him his opportunity to shine. Let's see now if Lasco gets a lot of carries against Houston and see how he does with that. Um, actually, you know, actually, uh, Murphy was the leading rusher the other night. Yes, Seven carries for 22 yards. He was. You know, the other bad is uh, Mark Ingram putting the ball down on the ground. After sure. a great drive, he killed it. Um, and, you know, Ingram Ingram already has that, I don't know how to explain it, other than the negative connotation people have about him. They don't, they, he's always hurt. He never, he, I think he's only finished one season uh, yeah. healthy as a Saint. Uh, he, people, get aggravated with him because he's not explosive when he runs. He's certainly not a Deuce McAllister. Uh, you know, but at the same time, somehow he manages to get 4.8 yards of carry. Somehow he manages to lead the team in rushing. Uh, and he's the primary back. So it's a love-hate relationship right now with Ingram. And, sure. And, you know, having him put the ball on the ground now, you know, Deuce put the ball on the ground a lot, too. People kind of forget that because he may put the ball on the ground, but he's also going to break open, you know, a 35-yard run, a 45-yard run. And he, he, also put it in, he also put it in the end zone. And he put it in the end zone, <laughs> right. So people forget, they forgive the fumbles because sure. he was such a dynamic player. Ingram doesn't have that, you know, so... Ingram always struck me strikes me as the type of guy you want your your feature back to be. He's going to start the season here, and he's going to go up this mountain, and he's going to get here, and then when he reaches the top of that mountain, he's going to burst over it and take you to this level. Well, Ingram mm -hmm. always gets right there to the precipice of that mountain. Yeah, that's it. You know, what you said a minute ago, the the only game, the only season that he's finished healthy is contract year. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you saw more of an explosive, angry running back in Chris Ivory, and that's what the fans look at and say, okay, that's what I want Ingram to do here. And he's not doing that, and he's not Deuce McAllister, you know, so he's not, and he's not Pierre Thomas who had that unique ability to make the first person hit, hit the yards after contact. That first person hits yeah. you, he spins off of that, and then falls forward. You know, you don't see that with Ingram. And that's what turns a lot of fans off, even though he is a productive back. You know, that's the, that's the dynamic you have going on here, and that's probably the most frustrating thing about Mark Ingram. Uh, he's, but, he's, but tell me this. Is the frustration with Ingram and the shortcomings in his game, how much of that is due to the fact that, for lack of a better way of putting it, Peyton doesn't fully commit to the ground game? You know, Bobby Abe was going on about this too. Okay, Deuce McAllister got a 1,000 yards rushing in 2006. 
you know, Pierre Thomas was an important aspect of the team from 2009 through 2013. You know, he was a very dynamic part of the offense. You know, here uh, you had uh, Darren Sproles get the all-purpose yardage. Uh, the running game for the Saints, they are not going to be three yards in a cloud of dust, Big Ten offense. They will never be that under Sean Payton. That's how it was under Jim Moore. Yeah. What Payton wants to do, and I've said this several times, uh, Payton wants to get the passing game going, get enough of a running game going that you get a play-action pass effect, build up a lead, and then in the third and fourth quarter, grind that clock out. That's where the rushing yardages come. Yeah. That's, if you look back in 2009 when Mike Bell would come in in the second half with fresh legs, and he'd just pound that offensive, I mean, that defensive line. You know, there was nothing the other team could do because they're trying to get back into the game. So they're throwing the ball over the place. Uh, we get the turnover or we get them off the field three and out, and then here comes that running game again. And then he uses the passing game as a substitute for the running game in a traditional West Coast offense approach with short passes. You know, first down we're getting seven yards on, first, on a pass play, a quick little bubble screen, a quick slant, whatever. You know, so there is a running game. It's just it's not going to be, you know, a fullback, running back, yeah. two tight ends, we're coming at you, straight man-on-man -man blocking. It's just not going to be that way. And sure. So, and I've heard people say Ingram is that kind of back that needs that kind of offense. Well, he can't work with that kind of – you can't have that. And that's going to lead into the, you know, the ugly. Uh, when we had Jolly Evans in his prime and we had Carl Nix and you had, uh, you know, Stitchcomb and you had, you know, uh, uh, Bushrod out there, you can have that power offense where they would clear these huge holes for the running backs to get through. Last night or Thursday night we saw that's not the kind of offense we're going to have, not kind of offensive line we're going to have. Sure. Is it because we're running players back and forth? You know, uh, people were ripping on uh, Pete for having a terrible game. Uh, Pete played three different positions um, Thursday night. And... I knew this was going to happen one day. My work phone ringing. <laughs> uh, but uh, Pete played three different positions that night, okay? At left tackle, he'd been practicing left tackle all week, you know, since training camp started because Armstead was out. You know, he's been running that left tackle position. They put him at left tackle in the beginning. He did okay on the play that Ingram fumbled. Unfortunately, Pete had a fantastic block. Uh then they moved into right guard. He struggled. They put him at right tackle, and Chris Long was killing him. You know. You just got my ugly. Yeah. You know, so you've got him running all these different positions. Is he thinking too much? What's going on? You know, I, I, I don't know. And it's probably because we really don't have true, good NFL Pro Bowl-level guards. We've got... A bunch of guys that, you know, a bunch of guys named Joe, and you're forcing a tackle to play guard. Yeah. And 
I don't know if that's you know I don't know if that's going to work. I don't think it will. Uh, I think we're going to have that's going to be an issue. We're going to have to deal with the entire year unless they find somebody really really good yeah. off the waiver wire, you know, or make a trade, you know, to to upgrade that position. Well, my ugly was absolutely that series where Pete was in Streif's normal um, right tackle position. Chris Long just absolutely abused him. And it, mm-hmm. it, it brings to me a question. I, I honestly and sincerely believe that we're defeating the purpose, making or trying to force feed Pete into every position across the front except center. I think we need to find one specific spot because if you think about it, on opening day, we're going to have to have him to step well, into a role and to and to yes, deliver. Yesterday, Sean Payton pretty much said that this is going to be on starting offensive line. Yeah, Armstead's back. Yeah, Lolito at uh, left tackle and left guard. Uh, Unger at center. Pete at right guard, and then Streif at right tackle. You know, so he's going to try and form that that bond, and I guess they're going to hope the scheme will help these guys and they can work work together and develop that chemistry. You know, I just I worry again. You know, the the blitz again in the a gap against Drew Brees is always effective. Uh, you know, we we talk about all these weapons he has as a receipt as receivers. Uh, you know, if he's constantly being moved off the spot because of pressure right in the middle, those weapons are going to be pretty useless. Um, so I, I don't know. That offensive line is going to be a problem. Um, they've tried several things to, to address it, and they still have not been able to do it. I mean, you know, you saw it in the draft. You know, Sean Payton was crushed that the kid Garrett from Stanford was gone. You know, the uh, – the other guard, I think he wanted, was also taken early in the second round. Uh, and then after that, there was nobody else he was even interested in. Uh, and, and Turner hasn't stepped up to be very impressive. Avery Young's been hurt the whole camp so far. Um, you know, Jack Allen came in and played center for a good bit. Yeah. So does he move in the guard position, uh, you know, this against Houston? That's going to be tough because he's small. You know, he has short arms, yeah, and that's that's yeah. a problem to put him at guard. You know, uh, Pete's maybe too big to play guard. Uh, Jack Allen's got the opposite problem. You know, guys will be able to get into him because of the short arms. He's not going to be able to get a hold of people for pass protection or to drive him off the ball. He's a nasty, physical guy, but he may have to be stuck at center. You know? Yeah. So we'll see how that works. But yeah, that's. I would say the offensive line's pretty ugly, and then you know here we go with injuries. Um, Stephon Anthony gets chop blocked, uh, no flag called, chop blocked, and he kind of limped off the field. And later on, you see him get carded. Uh, he says that he's going to be back before the opener. Uh, that's going to be tough to have him out all that time. Because he's learning that new position, Sam. Yeah. The good news is, I think Robinson and Stupar are very, very capable. We're no longer talking about a Rich Marty kind of guy or a James Anderson or someone like that stepping in. 
you have legitimate NFL linebackers who can play coming in. Well, I believe role. I believe you made the point last week. Robertson is a guy. Robinson is a guy that mm-hmm. started last year in this league. Yeah. So and you can see the difference. You know, healthy Ellerby. You can see the difference. Laurinaitis. You know, he he's not going to be. He's not Jonathan Vilma, but he is a better. Better than the 2014 Curtis Lofton, I should say. He's a he's he's a younger Curtis Lofton almost. He's a two down linebacker. Don't ask him to drop off in coverage and things like that. But he's much he understands he can see defenses and offenses a lot better. And he was shooting a gap and putting all kinds of pressure on Garoppolo. Uh, you could see that Thursday night. I Pretty think good. that I think that the defense. Um, the ones and twos. That's basically what my f- opinions are formulating on, at least in the first game anyway. Uh, I-, I think that, as you said, the pass rush looked very good. I I, I did happen to notice that the, the over-the-top aggressive style that we were employing early in the game, as well as it was working, we were, co- we were playing against probably the, the best coach in the league, and it took him about a quarter and a half to take that aggressiveness and use it against us. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I, especially the linebacker play, the defensive line looked. Um, now, granted, it it may be a case where we just wanted so badly to be impressed <laughs> that. Uh, but I know you and I have been uh, trying to talk guys off the ledge in certain groups this week about the uh, the other major injury that we sustained, uh, which was yesterday, yeah. when when uh, Sheldon Rankins went down with a broken fibula. Mm-hmm. I did. I reached out to uh, to a friend of mine, Andrew Jews, earlier this evening to see if he had any uh, any recent updates on things he said that nothing new but it looked like uh anthony would be ready for week one and rankins who as i understand it did have surgery this morning yeah he looks to be a a solid go for at at least the bye week which is going to be week five of the season right Look, you know, I was kind of mad when I saw the bye week was all the way up at week five when I saw the schedule come out. Now it's going like it's a good thing. Absolutely. You know, people are freaking out. They're seeing here in six to eight weeks to recover from a broken leg, uh, which is, believe it or not, in football injuries, it's a lot better than a torn ligament, which is out for the year, or the dreaded high ankle sprain. Most definitely. Which comes and goes, you know, uh, that's something that, you know, you seem to be okay, and then you push off on it, and it's injured again, you know, uh, so, if I'm going to take an injury, I'm going to take a broken leg, <laughs> which sounds unbelievable, sure. but yeah, you know, Jack Youngblood, 1979, played with a broken leg <laughs> in the playoffs, uh, broke it against Dallas. In the Super Bowl. Him, yeah, told him, tape it up. This is Dallas. He played the finished the Dallas Cowboys game, played against Tampa Bay. Then he was in the Super Bowl against the Steelers with a broken leg. Uh, 
Uh, now, it wasn't weight-bearing bone. We, you know, we know all this. It was probably a hairline fracture. We consider broken, but still, Jesus. it makes a great story. <laughs> it, it was a, a broken story. leg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and this is the thing that you know I was trying to stress when we were talking people off the ledge. For a change, now you actually have depth behind Absolutely. these guys. So, you know. One person said we lost four starters. You lost Keenan Lewis, you lost Kihaka, you lost uh, Rankins, you lost Anthony. Okay? Four injuries in your starting defense, defensive players. But look what's happened. P.J. Williams has stepped up and played extremely well. Then you got Crawley and Harris both fighting for those nickel and dime jobs with Swan. So you've actually got depth. You're not going to a Brian Dixon. You're not going to guys you're grabbing off the street and putting him up against A.J. Uh, Green. You know, you, you actually have very good players behind them. You know, we already I, talked about Robinson and, and Stupar behind Anthony. Rankins goes down. He's a tech, he's a three-technique guy. Look what you got behind you. A former first-round pick who, for whatever reasons, never panned out as a full-time starter, but he's a three-technique and Nick Fairley. You know, and this isn't just like pick 31, pick 32. This is top five pick. That's right. So you've got a good player coming behind him who, if he can play 25, 30, 40 snaps, you know, defensively for you in those four games, you should be okay until, you know, Rankins can come back and then you can go back to the rotation you, you set up to begin with. You know, it's not the end of the world. You're not force feeding you know, um, I don't know, uh, a Lawrence Virgil, you know, yeah. someone like that into that spot. You've actually got somebody who's halfway decent. Now, we can't, we can't obviously afford any more injuries, but you're not, you're trying to rebuild a defense. You're not in panic mode because you're now one player away from grabbing people off the street or gra- signing you know, a 35-year-old veteran to come and try and save your uh, save your season. Uh, I, I think the quote of the week goes to Dennis Allen uh, yesterday afternoon during an interview. They asked him, how do you move on from a, a, a Sheldon Rankins? He said, well, exactly that. How do you deal with it? You move on. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, injuries are never fun. Uh, but they're a part of the game. They are. You know, people were complaining that the uh, the Greenbrier has made the Saints soft. The Greenbrier was too much of a country club. They wanted more physical practices. Well, you got more physical practices. Now, I'm not saying these injuries weren't going to happen if you were to play more shorts and shells and, you know, touch kind of football. Uh, injuries still happen regardless. But... You know, if you want a more physical team, you're going to have players who um, who can possibly get injured, you know, so. And speaking of moving on, uh, mm-hmm. let's prepare for Houston moving on down the road. Yeah. We need to get to uh, Allen's 53. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna real quickly I want to go through and remind everyone of the guys that you chose on defense. Um, for defensive line, you chose ten, mm-hmm. and 
and that was Cam Jordan, Sheldon Rankins, Tyler Davidson, Obam Guacham, Nick Fairley, John Jenkins, Kasim Adabali, Davis Tull, Bobby Richards, Richardson, excuse me, and David Onyemata. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, Tull's been a little bit of a disappointment, too, for a lot of people. Uh, They thought he'd be right in the mix with the pass rush, and he has not been. Uh, He's really struggled. So that could very well change, given the injuries, too. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, Linebackers, you you got six guys. Uh, Donnell Ellerby, James Laurinaitis, Stephon Anthony, Craig Robertson, Nate Stupar, and Michael Maudie. Mm-hmm. And I think those are all very, very good, very solid choices. Cornerbacks, you chose five: um, Delvin Bro, Keenan Lewis, PJ Williams, Damian Swan, and Devonte Harris. And also in that mix with the Keenan Lewis uh, situation being such as it is, you also added Ken Crawley mm-hmm. as a possible. And safeties, you had five with Jairus Bird, Kenny Vaccaro, Eric Harris, Von Bell, and Roman Harper. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you yeah, want me I to think... do? <laughs> do I need well, to I do think... kickers? No, no. Well, Forbath uh, was Shankosaurus. Uh, like he kicked more turf than football. Uh, the way that ball died. So we'll see how the kickers go. Uh, I know they signed uh, Court Court and Finnegan. Um, I think that's just a body right now. I'm I don't see he, if he. I makes, don't see him even making the, the fifty-three. No, I think he's just a body for practice and for these preseason games. Um, to be honest, I, just thought I, we I don't that. see him. I don't see him even uh, being on the level of some of these second-year guys that we. Uh, just I think he's there. I think he's there to push him and. Um, you know he, uh, yeah. This is this is just in case stuff. Yeah. You know we don't yeah. know what what's going to happen with Lewis yet. Rumors are he's going to go to recallable, recallable IR or possibly the pup list because he's had a setback from the hip surgery. Uh, his knee sounds like he's been overcompensating. Um, you know who knows with that. So that's why he's there. Um, but I don't. I just don't see him unless he has an unbelievable preseason. I just don't see him uh, making the roster. Um, yeah. So let's look at the offense real quick then. Um, quarterbacks. We kind of talked about this already. The three that we have are the three that are going to make it. You know, uh, and McCown's going to get the nod over Grayson as far as number two guy. Grayson is still a long ways from being that number two guy. He's got a lot of development. It was good to see him playing with the ones and the twos. Uh, I think you'll probably see it reversed this week with McCown getting the bulk of the snaps in the second and third quarter and Grayson doing the cleanup. Um, Running backs, and we talked a little bit about this with Ingram, Hightower, and Spiller, who made a cameo appearance against uh, New England. He actually had a cut, and I was impressed with the cut, but, you know... Again, they brought it, brought it back on a penalty too. Yeah, they did. It, it, they did. It was the, it was a very good, uh, very athletic play that he made, and uh, yeah. I was duly impressed. Uh, but like I say, it, it didn't count. Right. 
So, you know, and then Kuhn, they even actually tried the goal line play with Kuhn. Uh, I, you know, I think Kuhn's going to make the team. I think they're going to keep him. Um, you know, at the time, I thought they were going to go four tight ends. I think Kuhn is pretty much uh, is going to be on the team. You know, the battle is still between Lasko and Murphy, like we talked about earlier. You know, who's going to make the better play in special teams? I think that's what's going to determine those two. I completely uh, I, agree. I had Lasko ahead of Murphy. I think Murphy got a little ahead of Lasko today. Uh, let's just see how it plays out in the season. Um, wide receivers. The BMW Club, of course, has the top, Cooks, Thomas, and Sneed. Uh, Coleman, he's really in a fight. He really is. Uh, he has to really show up. You know, I have R.J. Harris making the team, but, you know, we talk about Tommy Lee Lewis. If he ends up being a great kick returner, Tommy Lee Lewis could easily be that fifth wide receiver. Sure. You know, uh, four active on game day. So Coleman's not guaranteed anything right now. Um, the other receivers, uh, I saw Bell make a couple plays, Dangerfield make a couple plays. You know, Harris has to really stand out. Uh, I was kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt just because he was on the practice squad last year. But um, I think Tommy Lee Lewis has got the best shot if he can be a good kick returner. You know, sure. The team. A wide receiver that's going to play special teams is always going to be a higher asset because you're getting yeah. two for the price of one. Right, right. Um, and then uh, the tight ends, you know, Fleener, Hooman, and Hill, you know, that's your three tight ends. Um, I'll tell you this. For fantasy football, a lot of people saying, go Fleener, go Fleener, go Fleener. I bet you I think that Michael Thomas is going to end up being the number one guy as far as fantasy football, yeah. you know, Cooks is your speed guy. That's your home run threat. But I think Thomas is going to get a lot of looks in that red zone, um, more so than Fleener. I think Fleener is going to be more of that third down kind of guy. He and Sneed going to be going back and forth in that third down kind of play. But I think Thomas you're going to see get a lot of uh, first downs. Well, um, from, what I, from what I understand, Fleener is still struggling to grasp the offense. He's running wrong routes and, and so on and so forth. I yeah. had a very interesting uh, opinion today that said, don't be at all surprised if you look up a year from now and Thomas is the number one and Cooks moves into the number two. Well, you know, the good thing, and we've talked about this before too, the good thing about the Saints offense is – Cooks, Thomas, and Snead can play all three positions. They're all interchangeable, and that's what makes uh, Sean Payton's offense so effective. You don't have to lock Thomas in as the X or yeah. Cooks as the X. They can play the Y. They can play the slot. They can move all over the place, and you can get those matchups that you want so badly. And if Spiller shows anything, you know, that he can come out of the backfield, kind of come out in those wheel routes or come out in that little arrow route that uh, – Thomas and, I mean, uh, not Thomas, uh, Sproles and Bush used to run so well. You know, that that just makes everything so much more effective. Um, and and something that you you pointed out a week or so ago, it, it, you know, you got to remember, Ingram has oh, he froze. become okay. the receiver that he used to. Yeah, Did I? Ingram, Ingram is a much better receiver than he was uh, two years ago. You know, last year he really stepped up. 
And that was good because without Pierre Thomas, you know, the screen pass we thought was a gone play, you know, uh, sent to the archives. And Thomas actually ran the screen pass very well. You know, he wasn't fighting the ball anymore. So, you know, that's helpful too because now it's not like, okay, Pierre Thomas is in, not Pierre Thomas, uh, Mark Ingram's in, uh, it's going to be a running play. You know, he can actually know he's going to catch the ball. Yeah, and that was part of the predictability since the Saints offense kind of developed uh, in 2014 was you knew Breeze was going to Graham or he's going to throw to Thomas on the screen pass. You knew what was coming because you didn't have that diversity of weapons. You've got that sure. diversity now. And the only and key I, is – go ahead. I'm sorry? I was saying the only key is is the offensive line. You know, yeah. we have to see improving the offensive line. We already know who the starters are, so who are going to be the backups? Well, I think Jack Allen's played his way into the number one backup spot. Uh, Landon Turner is in a fight for his life. You know, I've got Turner making the team, but I can easily see Turner not make it. And the reason why I got Turner in there is because he seems to be the best of the guards, okay? Yeah. You can – let's say Streif goes down – we can reshuffle the lineup and move, uh, you know, Streif over. I mean, move uh, Pete over to tackle and put a guard in, you know, plug a guard in as an injury. So that's what I was thinking of, thinking of with Allen and Turner in there. You've got a backup center guard and a backup guard, and you've already got a guard tackle starting, you know. Yeah. But Kelamente's in the mix too. So sure. where does Kelamente fit in? Um, you know, I've got when I've got eight offensive linemen, you know, five starters and three backups. You know, uh, if Kelamente, who can play tackle, he did play tackle in the last game of the season. They've got him back out there playing tackle a little bit with the third team. You know, is it going to be Kelamente and Allen? Is it going to be Kelamente Turner and Allen? We don't know yet. So that's how I see it right now. Uh, if the Saints make a trade, Turner may get cut, and then the practice squad, you don't know. Um, but sure. that's boring and I, and changes. I, and okay, you froze on me again. Okay, we lost you for a second there. I think we're going to catch the tail end of what you're saying. Um, but uh, while well, he's... The, oh, I there would, you are. I can't. I was just saying, right off the top of my head, I, I can't think of one player that you chose that uh, I would make an argument to not make the roster. Right. Uh, right. So, as usual, you and I pretty much agree on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, sure. And, and you know, it's, like I said, there's a lot that can happen to now and then, but right now, all sure. I all I see right now is um, based on what they've got on the team, these are the guys that are probably going to make it. These are the things to watch out for, and we talk about the guys who we should look at this coming week, and that's what we should talk about next. Uh, preview next week. Um, the uh, Is it Thursday night again? Saturday. Eastern, Thursday? Saturday night. Okay, yes. good. All right, I missed the first series, actually, because of Thursday night, because I, for some reason I thought it came on at 7, and it started at 6.30, and I didn't even leave work till 6. Um, so Saturday night football uh, against the Houston Texans. I doubt 
we'll see Breeze much longer than we did last uh, last time. Uh, I doubt we're going to see J.J. Watt very long. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot like that second, that first preseason game. Uh, maybe they'll play a, a whole quarter this time, depending on how drives turn out. Um, but it's a third preseason game. That's the game that really looks most like a regular yeah. season game. Yeah. So the key is then let's see if they've cleaned up penalties. You know, you expect a certain amount of penalties at the end of a preseason game, but in the beginning of it, that first half. Yes. You know, how does the defense respond in the first half? Uh, you know, how do they clean up the turnovers? Uh, that's that's key. Don't put the ball on the ground. Don't throw interceptions. Play a clean, crisp offensive and defensive series. Play that for a quarter and a half, and I'll be happy. I mean, that's a good, absolutely preseason game, and come out with no injuries. All I, I want to see is, at first and foremost, like you just said, I, I want to see the guys stay healthy. Yeah. I want to see a a focused and determined effort from the mm -hmm. players. And, you know, uh, despite what some people say, I'm not really that concerned with the points at this stage of the game. I I, I want to see execution. I, I want to see the guys accomplish what they're supposed to accomplish. And if they do that, the points will take care of them. Right. Right, yeah. I mean, it, the final score is not important. You want to win. It's nice to win, but it's all about execution at this point. It's all about how does the first team look, even with substitutions coming in and out. How does it look in that first half? Um, sure. And I don't want to see guys that we're going to be counting on next year or this coming season, I should say, uh, putting the ball on the ground or turning the ball over. I don't want to see that. I want to see our defense get turned at all. I want to see our defense Absolutely. force turnovers. That's that's one thing from the New England game that uh, there were several plays. Uh, one that I can think of right off the top of my head, Eric Harris had the opportunity for a pick and, and didn't quite finish. Right, right, he didn't. Three of them. There were three of them. They dropped. Uh, Eric Harris, I think, dropped two. Von Bell dropped one. Uh, you know, you cannot have uh, guys they get the interceptions in practice. They've got to get the interceptions of the game. We were minus four in turnovers. You can't have that. You've got to be on the plus side. Even in a preseason game, I want to be on the plus side. So that's, a look for, that's what to look for this week. Um, so we'll talk about the Houston game next week and uh, any other new moves that they make. Between now and then, the first cut down, I think, is Tuesday. Uh, is it after the third game or the fourth game? I mean, the second game. I'll have to look into that. I think it might be after the second game, the first cut down. So that's where you might actually see some movement, where you might see us pick up a guy here or there. Um, anyway, you know what? go ahead. I was just going to say uh, thank you to everybody for joining us. Um, Absolutely. We, we always love to hear from you guys. You can reach us on uh, Facebook, on the Under the Dome podcast Facebook page, uh, on Twitter at, at Under the Dome PO1, I think. Did I get that right? I think that's right. <laughs> I, I, I tweet from it, not to it. Yeah. Uh, 
And uh, once again, we want to wish Joey a speedy recovery. Absolutely. Get better, brother. Yes, absolutely. All right, guys. I appreciate everything that you guys send us questions, send us comments about what you see on these podcasts, questions you want answered. Uh, you know, it's not all just about the preseason games, about what you want to see for the regular season. Uh, and we'll try and answer them as best we can. Thank you guys, as always, for, for watching. Hope to see you all next week. Good night, everyone.